Welcome to Stop and Talk, a podcast about connection and building a more vibrant region together through creativity, health, and community. This is your host, Grant Oliphant, the CEO of the Conrad Prebus Foundation. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back. I am elated to welcome Rafael Pairare, the music director of the San Diego Symphony, to the program. Now in his fourth season as music director of California's San Diego Symphony, the Venezuelan-born conductor began his tenure as music director of Canada's Montreal Symphony in the fall of 2022. Born in Barcelona, Venezuela in 1980, Payare first discovered classical music at the age of 14 when he began playing French horn in the well-known El Sistema program. Receiving conducting training from El Sistema and his mentors, Payare went on to lead all Venezuela's major orchestras. Today, he is himself an inspiration to younger musicians, and we are privileged that he is the musical director here in San Diego. I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, Rafael, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. You know, I have to say, I'm going to set a, a scene for a moment because you were important to me in terms of my entry into San Diego. And this is how. Right. On on one of those iconic San Diego evenings, I had been invited early in my time here to go to the Rady Shell uh, to hear the symphony orchestra play. And it was a beautiful, stunning sunset. You know, it was in the evening. The orchestra was playing beautifully under your direction. I remember looking up at the sky and seeing a sailboat sail by as we're sitting outside watching, uh, watching the performance. You so animated at the front of the hall. Um, I call it a hall, but it's outdoors. And mm-hmm. uh, extraordinary athletic performance. Sorry about that. that. Was, yeah. No, it's electric. <laughs> it's so much fun to watch. And, and I remember as I was thinking about how magical this was, fireworks went off from Petco Park. <laughs> and in came the noise of the fireworks. And you didn't skip a beat. You just kept going. And the performance continued. And it was, for me, a moment of feeling like, wow, there is something amazing about this place and this town. So the very first thing I want to do is not a question. I just want to say thank you. Because it was in that moment that I sort of realized how there is something special about this place. And maybe that's where I want to begin, is you're a citizen of the world. You um, perform and play all over the world. You come from another part of the world, and yet this is a significant part of home for you. Yeah, absolutely. And and how did that come to pass? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I've been lucky in in a way because, I mean, for sure, the Ready Shell is a spectacular, very special place that Mm. it is not... uh, to be taken for granted, and it doesn't happen everywhere in the world. I mean, the combination that we had of the ridiculously beautiful weather that we happen to have here in San Diego, um, the shell itself, it has this uh, fantastic avant-garde kind of uh, sound system that allow us to play as if we were in actually in an indoor hall. So we forget, even though 
probably having far work from the uh, from Petco party would be because maybe the Padres won or there was a, or, or there was a home run, which is wonderful. But when we are in it, we 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 do not really hear. We are like a little bit like in a bubble, and mm. we are just. Uh, well, trying to give our all to try to make music making at the highest possible level. I'm lucky to to call San Diego my home, and uh, it's just kind of one of those things that just happen. Everything aligns like and understarts. I mean, we uh, always Martha gave me a hard time because when I was supposed to come to San Diego for the first time, it didn't happen. It 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 was a while before I actually came, and I wasn't trying to to play hard to together and the thing is just like <laughs> yes I know I always it's not I, the story I heard but that's okay no I, <laughs> I always feel guilt with with Martha about it but uh, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like that but actually the time when I actually came then it it was very quickly after that that uh, that it was offered to me the opportunity to be in front of this amazing organization and this was uh, the radio show was in the let's say in the plans and happened mm-hmm. to be happening and then well COVID hit but then we we will have the radio shell as a beacon mm. of hope. If, if through all of this terrible time that we the whole world was going through, we could think, okay, this is going to be something that is going to be like a, like a beacon of light when you are sailing out not on a, on a storm. Then they could see it. You will see that is a you know main line is there. You could just keep going and and with it. And we are very um, happy that, that 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 is coming. And then you you have like you mentioned the amazing San Diego sunset but at the same time we're making music we're giving our all and you could have people just strolling around just going with their dogs or just having just a nice stroll and we're just trying to make our best so it's fantastic and that doesn't happen in all all the cities in the world Mm -hmm. that you could have these you are just walking well I'm going to exercise and then you have a top class orchestra making music and you have this ridiculous something happened actually at the same time so um, I feel very privileged to be part of this yeah well it was it was certainly special for me and I Again, it um, opened up a sense for me about how unique San Diego is. You you mentioned Martha a couple of times, and I should explain that sitting in the studio with us is Martha Gilmer, who is the extraordinary... Um, leader of the of the of the symphony in terms of um, the organization and who I think more than anybody single-handedly is responsible f- alongside the community she would probably bridle at this <laughs> uh, um, for for making sure that the radio shell got built and, absolutely yeah, absolutely I think she's we're very lucky that we have the two of you in the roles that we do um, with the symphony. And San Diego is very blessed to have that. But I, I, I want to press you on the role of a symphony orchestra in a modern community. You know, I, I think one of the things that struck me when I came here, and maybe it was because of the performance outdoors, in many communities, people are, in America, are debating the relevance and role of this art form. Um, I didn't sense that here in the same way. I sensed that there was a lot of momentum behind it and uh, a, a sense that it mattered for the sake of the community. But when you think about what you do and you think about it in the context of performing here or elsewhere, uh, do you encounter that that question, that skepticism? And, and how do you think about the role of a symphony orchestra in today's world? Yeah, well, I mean, I was lucky enough. I, I come from Venezuela. And I was lucky enough to be born there, and we have uh, this wonderful 
program called El Sistema that was founded by Dr. Jose Antonio Abreu in 1975. One of the things with El Sistema is talking about with music is that music, it is a right, it's not a privilege. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that it's completely different. I mean, my background in music was wasn't at all in my family there were not really any kind of musicians that having into here and the moment that I actually got in touch with music I then I discovered that that was wanted to do with the rest of my life mm. there is something in music on its own that uh, has that ability to actually get to you and stay and develop and just trying to could take you to different places so I think that is very important for an orchestra to expose as many people as possible because we don't know it's not about the people that will come that they will come musicians but to give them a little bit of a space to maybe to escape of horrible of reality mm -hmm. that we have nowadays that there is a lot but at the same time to give a little bit of a like an example of what a society could be. If, if a society could be thinking about how you are in an orchestra, many things could work in a different way. Because when you are playing in an orchestra, you are not all the time bringing the melody. You have to be in tune. You have to be aware of what is your surrounding is happening. And you need to know when is your time to actually come with the melody or when is your time to just be supportive. If mm -hmm. we try to extrapolate this into society, world could be a little bit different. Of course, this might be slightly naive to say, but if everybody could stop um, trying to impose the melody, but actually wait and try to harmonize and hear what it could be able, the world could be completely different. And that's that's one of the things that I think that is the main um, message that a symphony orchestra should have. I love that, and it's not how it's not how the art form is typically presented. That's um, a different perspective. You mentioned La Sistema, mm -hmm. and it's a program that was created to expose young people to the value of the art. How do you think today, as you're thinking about the work you're doing, uh, about cultivating the next generation to care about the art or to engage with the art? Yeah, we kind of, uh, in a way, it's already, let's say we have already be planting the seed by the fact that we our hall is going through renovation so the last mm. two years we have been having maybe 75 percent of our concert at the radio shell so already by the fact that we are rehearsing and playing there are people just going around that mm. they are not even there to try to hear the orchestra they're probably there just to make some exercise but the music is already there and they go and that music will go with them and then that actually is going to of course, use the word virus after we having COVID is awful, but the music has that beautiful ability like a very good virus that it'll just stay with you and then mutate and it just start growing and growing. One of the things that we always wanted to try to do is because sometimes people could feel intimidated by the way the orchestra uh, it is presented or they has been presented in the past or even people don't even know but they might think oh this is not for me because of they don't even know there was one time wonderful thing that happened we did a concert um, we call it concert for san diego back in november 2019 mm. we did that at the petco park we didn't have our wonderful child over there we just did it and it was uh for free People will come, and I will. Uh, it was great. The orchestra played fantastic. The people loved it. But I will never forget that there was um, um, a security guard when I was going out, and 
it's middle-aged men and he just told me it's like I just saw you there and enjoying so much and I've been he was he was part of the security of of of, of Petco Park and it's like and I I never thought that I will enjoy this music and I think I should now after this I actually going to start looking more into this kind of music wow. just mm. for the fact of being exposed sometimes people might think or have a prejudice about it but mm-hmm. it just let the music do the job no, nothing else just expose it might be for you maybe not but it is there and always music just keeps going and hitting because everybody I mean when you expose music to a newborn or babies that they have no idea or anything altogether. You see then how it wraps them immediately. That's the power of music, and this is what I, I think it is it, it, all about. If we can present it and do it, we'll have to jump to different hoops, but music will prevail at the end. Are you finding that you're thinking differently about how you present the art and the music based on how a new generation is consuming it? Well, I mean, yes and no. Because in reality, one of the things with um, with classical music, it is not, nowadays we have a lot of a spam that the focus, it is a minute, 140 characters, mm-hmm. two minutes. That, that is not how it works for a, a, a symphony orchestra kind of work to be able to go through the voyage of many mm-hmm. things altogether. But at the same time, you just opening and let them be part of what it could be. And maybe they will like it now, or maybe they will like it in a few years, but they will never forget about it, especially because when we are our art form, when we are on stage, we give it all. And hopefully we will achieve that kind of magic and the magic, it could be transmitted to the audience. And even you don't know what what was that that happened that you feel part of this is like whoa what is like like you mentioned that you have this kind of thing and it might be you think that maybe the firewall was disrupted but actually no just make it be like whoa this is happening at the same time and that's that's the beauty of music it always had very different ways of working out i really like that that answer where there is constancy that you're holding on to and yet still engagement around shifts that you see. I, I think we should probably talk a little bit about what you do uh, because while many people will understand your role, uh, you know, some will think of you just as an international celebrity who, oh. you know, and some, <laughs> and some will think of you as I did that evening as the highly athletic guy um, running the show at the, <laughs> at, um, on stage. But I don't think people really understand what the role that you play is in, unless they really know symphonic music. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, it's a slightly almost voodoo to talk about what, <laughs> what our conductor do, uh, yeah. actually does because um, we, we are... The, our instrument is the orchestra. We have a baton. The baton doesn't make any kind of, any kind of sound. The sound comes completely from the musician. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we try to, let's say, put all these amazing 100 musicians or 87, 92 musicians, artists that you have in front of you to try to be together to try to portray the message that the composer intended in the first place. So we could think about a little bit like... Um, like managers in soccer, you know, at the end of the day, there is the 11 players, the one that they do, but there is a strategy. The thing is that, which completely 
not the right way to sing it is that in soccer you are just trying to get a goal and win in music there's nothing like that we are just trying to portray what the composer mm. wanted to say with the score and sometimes it could be something just about beauty or like this week we are playing a, uh preparing to go to Carnegie Hall and we're playing a symphony by Shostakovich and when he did that he was declared the enemy of the people mm -hmm. and he could not believe it and he some people some of his critics say that this symphony came as an apology of an artist and then you could in reality you hear what he wrote and he was just blasting away screaming how could you say that i am the enemy of the people when i am part of the people and you will go through that struggle and we just try to portray the horror of i mean we're talking about 1937 to put all of that in there and it's a It's almost masochistic because it's wonderful to suffer that kind of thing and try to express it. And then hopefully the audience will get that sense um, and a little glimpse into what history was. Mm -hmm. and, and it's different. You know, this is with Shostakovich. Then you go with Mahler and it will go about a mental crisis or, or something that happened in there. Or you go with Moksha and it's about beauty. So we can be kind of like uh, embody of not really actors, but we could create different kind of character. And the most important thing is that the storytelling that we can have, that we could always be able to portray the message and get it for the audience to to see it. We work very hard for it, but yeah. You mentioned Shostakovich, Mahler, Mozart. Are yeah. they your musical heroes or among your musical oh, heroes? Oh, how long do you have? I, have a, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a lot yeah. of... Uh, yeah, well, if, I had, if you had to name three, who would you name? Oh, no, I can't. Oh, you can't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that would be awful. It's like, yeah, yeah I yeah. can, I can. Yeah, I mean, you know, you cannot... Live up. Of course, Mozart, Mahler, Mozart, uh, Shostakovich, Wagner, Schumann, Brahms, Bruckner, um, uh, Debussy, Ravel, Verdi. I can't. I can't. Okay, I can't. Yeah, it's, it's too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, so. When you're thinking though about, so part of your role is aside from the conducting, which you were talking about, is to think through what the orchestra will play mm -hmm. and and when that will happen and how what are you thinking about when you're programming a season what is it that you're hoping to accomplish yeah well this is one of the things that is wonderful um the programming meeting it's it's a uh, it's a lot of fun i remember for instance the first time that we i accepted the job to be here i had a programming meeting with martha in aspen we started at 10 o'clock in the morning And we make a break at seven o'clock in the afternoon just because we had a concert. And then we created kind of like a, a skeleton of thing that they were going to happen. Then we have another meeting in two days in Berlin mm -hmm. that start at 10 in the morning and end up at 12, I mean, midnight. But it's not that it is um, like it is, it is really complicated or, that, or that like, it, like it is annoying to do. It's wonderful because one of the things that we do is to try to see where do we want to take the orchestra? What are the sound that the orchestra needs to develop? And to do different things, you need to go through different repertoire. At the same time, you know, you have an audience that you need to think about and you want them to be engaged into this wonderful voyage, you know, mm -hmm. this wonderful travel that you could have. And I always try to think that when we go with a season program and we never think about one season it's always thinking three or five years but then we go back but we always think in the let's say bigger 
kind of view and then we go back in the smaller one but i always like to think like for instance when we do the programming of a season it will be like having a trip but not on a plane mm. that you are always going to look at one thing but actually on a train and you go on a train and you could see how the landscape changes and maybe you know like you have the Ryan Express or something that you could go to different countries you see how everything changes maybe you get out and have a little bit of a tea coffee or a little snack here and there to have a different flavor you get back on the train and just keep going but it's about from the the trip from A to Z and not the the everything that happened in between mm -hmm. is what is very important and of course we need to have the audience to be engaged with this and to join us in eating this uh, kind of degustation menu that we could go onto the different thing always thinking what is going to be the thing that is beneficial for the orchestra for the next season and the season ahead to keep uh, developing the sound because the one of the beautiful thing in art as you know is that um, there is not a real limit you never hit it you never is like your goal is this when you're getting there then the goal gets higher right, and then right. the further away and further away because you always try to reach that, that beautiful special moment and it's fantastic there's always a greater excellence and beauty Absolutely. that you can reach for yeah. so martha uh has shared with me that she knew the moment she saw you conduct that you were the one the person who who belonged in this role and i'm i'm curious as you think about it now that uh you know, you've been doing it for a while. You took it on, as you mentioned, during a particularly hard time over the last few years. And you're more internationally renowned even than you were then. Um, how do you think about the place of San Diego among symphonic orchestras? And, oh. and why, why being here is the right thing? Absolutely. I mean, this is a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, organization and a wonderful orchestra that um, I think has been overlooked. The material that we have with the musicians, they really care. They are virtuosos on their own and they can achieve. And I think we can, um, I mean, every single time that I see what, what we have achieved and how the orchestra is sounding mm -hmm. and how it keeps going, and then you see the... The sense of pride that there is when we get a, a particular uh, passage or anything that every, you could see them reacting to the sound that they are producing. And it was always there. Of course, it needs to be a little bit nurtured more. But the idea is to try to make the world to realize that they have a, a, a world-class orchestra here in San Diego. Mm -hmm. This is why it's wonderful that we're going to be having now the California Festival along with our friends in the Life Philharmonic and San Francisco Symphony. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's just wonderful. And I, I, I couldn't be happier that all of the things that we're um, getting here. I mean, come on, through a pandemic, we opened a state of the art, one of the best, if not the best outdoor hall in the world. And now, not only with that, we're about to open on a renovation of our other inner hall. That hasn't yeah. happened everywhere. You know? It certainly doesn't happen everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. Are there are there differences between communities as you go around and play? And you know, you're going to Carnegie Hall, so of course there's a difference in New York. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's as much fun in New York, but it's certainly prestigious, and and you know, it's in in many ways in the U.S. the mothership. But yeah. what is what do you see as some of the differences as you go from city to city? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, every city, it's uh, we are human beings. Every human being is already it has a, a completely different world on its own but it is wonderful that we're going to Carnegie because it's a 
is an icon. It's a very iconic hall that many, many of the composers that we play and admire have been there. And it's a little bit of a of, of, um, statement to see mm-hmm. the orchestra that goes to Carnegie Hall. Not everybody could go. And it's kind of important to see and say, mm-hmm. look, this this is what is happening at the West Coast, guys. This this uh, amazing orchestra, listen to what is going to happen. And it's uh, it's important and it's very good. And the, and the audience in New York are very... Um, a little loud in the uh, <laughs> with the noise, but they are also really, really uh, welcoming. So we're looking forward to being there next week. And yeah. when you say a little loud with the noise, you mean in terms of applause or in terms of calling out? Or? No, I I had a, a, a one of the things that happened with New York. Normally, I think because the even the the subway is so loud, so the amount of noise that the city normally it's in it's a little higher. When you get yeah. into a oh, other hall, right. you 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 hear the difference of how the of normal noise it it's over there. Yeah. But it's it's great. You mentioned the California Festival. Could you say a little bit about that? Oh yes, we are very excited that um, we're going to be presented um, presenting in November. The three orchestras, the San Francisco Symphony, mm-hmm. the LA Philharmonic, and the San Diego Symphony, we kind of like hosting, but at the same time not really hosting because the idea is that every organization present themselves on how how they how they do. One of the ideas is to try to have music f- from that has been written in the last five years, so give a little platform of what is going to be the music of today and the music of the future. But at the same time, it is not only about that; it needs to be it's a new music festival not at all because there are many things as well that we can have that have not been played for instance we are going to be one of the things that we will be playing in san diego is going to be bakiana brasilera number seven that has been written maybe 70 years ago or 85 years ago but i have never been playing in san diego mm. so and we're going to put that along with commission that we have from mm. carlos simon juanjo colomer Vladimir Tornapolsky. I mean, the many different things that we're going to be having, and it's a statewide kind of celebration. And and I think the idea was really to give a platform to all of the different institutions that smaller or bigger they were doing this, but before now, no one was really saying. Everybody was doing it on their own, and it was a moment like, wait a second, this doesn't happen. There's there's not that many states in in the United States or in the world, that it has such a vibrant kind of uh, of happening with music. Mm-hmm. And everybody's doing, what about if we actually talk about it? And we present it in a multi-week uh, festival. So this is what we're doing. So there's nothing really too new, but at the same time it's completely new because we ha- it has never been presented this way. And I'm very, very happy that together with my colleagues, uh, Esa Pekasalonen and Gustavo Dudomel, we're going to be doing this uh, in, a, in a couple of I actually of weeks. think that's extraordinary because it's a convergence of, of talents and, and organizations in a setting where you're actually going to help people understand the music and not just listen to it, which um, sounds magical and we'll look forward to it. Yeah. I... Um, it's interesting to hear you talk about the the piece that was written 70 years ago because part of what you're also known for is presenting the work of living composers and valuing the work of diverse composers in in what you present. I remember 15, maybe it was 15 or 20 years ago, reading some marketing surveys about um, the programming of music for symphony orchestras. And the thinking at that time was, if you want to fill seats, you've got to program Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, Mozart. 
I don't know if that thinking has changed, but why is it important to you to program living composers and and a diverse array of folks? When Beethoven and Mozart and, and Tchaikovsky did their things, they were the contemporaries of their time. Mm. If we stop there, then we are going to become extinct to mm. start with. Then there is going to be a huge gap and we are going to stop 200 years ago. It is very important that we actually present what is going to be the music of the future and only the future and time will will say what actually stick or not. I mean, during Beethoven and Mozart and, 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 and Tchaikovsky, there were other composers that they were not as good as well, like mm. it happens every every time. But then the time takes kind of care of that. It is very important as well nowadays to, to expand because there had been for many years a little bit of, of um, let's say, the way that some repertoire was presented thinking that people will not hear it that was overlooked for a lot of time so this is important that now people are realizing that that wasn't okay and we have to make up for it and then present some music there's some music that is fantastic there's music that is less fantastic but it is important that it needs to be played nowadays still we have composers that they died 200 years ago and the music is not as good and yes it's still play because it always music is for everybody everybody mm -hmm. has a different kind of taste mm -hmm. and it's important that we kind of open up the different kind of palate. It's like food, you know? We mm. cannot just be eating um, one specific food, although I do love Japanese food, but that's a different <laughs> thing. But, but yeah, but you it know, might be a yeah, different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's important that you present a, like a wide range of mm. different things and people will come for what they like best or they just try mm. once, you know? One of the things I believe about San Diego, which I know you do as well, is that because we are, uh, in, in some respects, a tri-national city, um, sitting at the border between the U.S. and Mexico, and of course with so much indigenous uh, land here, mm -hmm. um, we enjoy a unique kind of convergence of peoples and cultures. And um, we believe at the foundation that it's hugely important for San Diego to own that and to celebrate that collision of cultures and find more ways to engage it. You are, as I understand it, doing a free concert um, at Sukkot. Is that, do I have that correct? That's correct, yeah. Tell us about, in, in Tijuana. Yeah, Centro, and, Centro Cultural Tijuana, yeah. Sukkot, yeah. And, and, and why? Tell us about why that, why you're doing that, why that matters, and Ooh. what you're thinking with it. Yeah, well, one of the things that actually, um, because they have, it's amazing, they have this uh, Centro Cultural Tijuana, Sukkot, that is the, uh, uh, outside Mexico City, is the largest complex of art in Mexico. And we have it 15 minutes away, one five from downtown. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that it was, uh, it was our project when I was talking at the very beginning with Martha about it, is that we wanted to go there and see what it is and try to start creating some kind of a relationship to try a binational thing. Of course, then COVID hit, mm -hmm. we have to stop all of that, and, and and it was a little bit more complicated. But we went. This is it is wonderful. It was always in our head. I think it was always in their head as well. So we went in June, my first time that I crossed the border um, and went to Sekut. So the the complex is fantastic. They have many things happening at the same time. They could have um, cinema. They could have uh, plays. They have kids. Mm. They have books. They have everything happening in this whole thing. And we talked about how, and they have a good hall, how we can actually have 
present the orchestra. The opportunity came that just a few months later we were going to be there doing a free concert on Dia de los Muertos, that is November 2nd, and we couldn't present the orchestra. The orchestra on its full size has not been there completely ever. They, I think there was a concert of a smaller scale orchestra a few years ago, maybe not years, decades ago. Mm. Um, this is going to be the first time that actually the orchestra will be presenting. I mean, we're going to be there playing because we kind of launched the California Festival starting there, even though the real, uh, let's say, the real launch is the fourth. On the second, we were already doing that in Tijuana. Mean. Oh, so that's the soft launch for the yeah, festival well, in a way, I mean, or yeah, it could be viewed that yeah, way. Yeah, that, that way, because and we haven't there, and we are not going to be going there and playing a small thing. We're going to mm -hmm. be playing Zaratustra, and we're going to be playing uh, a, a few pieces by David Chesky, which is a composer that is living, that he lives in New York, mm -hmm. and to having this all together. It's very important that we can create that kind of link, and they want to have it. We wanted to have it, and it never happened before. Why? I don't know. But this is one of the things that we need to, yeah, we can dust it up and just mm. move forward. One of the ideas to also that I would like to have, and it's to, I come from El Sistema, the program in Venezuela, one of the things they, in in, in there, in Tijuana, they have something that resembles of El Sistema a little bit. One of the ideas that we had at the very beginning is that we could hear the youth orchestra from there, Maybe have a youth orchestra from San Diego, and we have a binational orchestra and presented at the Ready Shell. So fantastic! This is this is some of the things that we wanted to have, and those are the projects that we're looking forward to. Yeah. In a way, that's the answer to a question I wanted to. Um, as we come to near the end of our time, I just I, I wanted to touch on how you think about the role of the orchestra and of music in building a community where people feel they belong across whatever divisions they may feel or experience during their life in the community. And as you think about San Diego and, and what you've seen of the community, why, why is your organization important and why is what you do important in terms of creating a community of belonging? One of the things that we most uh, all the time aim for is the high artistic level of playing or doing anything. We are an artistic organization. Then when we go and expose this to kids, it is not like, oh, because they are kids that we are not going to understand. So we are going to dilute what music is and maybe they will be part of it. Mm. This is one of the things that is completely different in Venezuela. And that's mm. how I was brought up. With El Sistema. With El yeah. Sistema. Mm. So you, since the very beginning, you are going to hear music at the highest possible level. And how would that actually get into the community when you will go and do something like this with uh, the kids? The kids have parents, the parents have brother and siblings and everything, and then they will come, oh, I want to see what my 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 uh, offspring is doing, you know, mm -hmm. and then they will come, and this is great, and the kids love that, that they have been applause, and then little by little, without them realizing, the music is already part of their life because they have here since the very beginning not sort of okay music, but music in the most refined way, that uh, uh, they will never stop trying to reach that and trying to, to, to get there and then just keep going and they, they just keep expanding. And this is our job as, as the principal orchestra here in the city, the San Diego Symphony, that we need to nurture this and we need to give them a platform and also mm -hmm. to give kids the, 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 the way to, to think big and to dream. 
sectors is very important the future mm-hmm. otherwise the future could be very bleak so i think we have is in our responsibility to try to create an environment for them that they will feel that they are part of and that they can dream of even though like is my case music wasn't part of, of what my family was doing at all and then i discovered it and this is what i want to do with the rest of my life so that could happen to everybody it will happen to me i think everybody should have the chance to actually being exposed by it that's what i think it's beautiful Rafael, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk with us. This has been an exciting conversation and uh, a great opportunity to talk about um, San Diego through a musical lens and about the world through a musical lens. I appreciate you for what you're doing. Um, quite aside from the personal experience that I had, which was a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful entry into town, as I said. I think that uh, it's just uh, it's wonderful to hear from somebody who is a genuine maestro, and <laughs> I see you laugh at the at the term, but I don't get to use that term legitimately every day. So, <laughs> so I just want to thank you for taking the time for being here. Thank you, thank you for the invitation. Thank you very much. All right, this was a conversation with so much poetry and poignance. It seems a little bit like gilding the lily to point out the highlights, but a few I think are noteworthy and stand out um, for special mention. I think one of the most important for me was how Raphael regards music as a right, not a privilege. And he said that that was the the thing he learned in the El Sistema program and what he has brought to his own leadership of music. And sometimes I think we forget the importance of the arts, not just music, but the arts more generally in the lives of a community and the lives of the individuals here. And it's not a nice to have, it's a right and an important part of who we are as people. I loved the metaphor that Raphael used for how an orchestra could be what society should be, you know, with everybody working in concert as opposed to each trying to impose their own melody. He used the term harmonize at one point to talk about how we could all learn to work together, and that actually is one of the roles of great music, is to help us to see how collaboration can help create uh, works of art and works of greatness that otherwise wouldn't be available to us. I also liked his story about the concert for San Diego that the symphony at one point had in Petco Park and the feedback he got from a security guard who just listening to the music suddenly felt transported and transformed by it and developed an interest in classical music as a result. So often when we think about how people come to understand musical forms or art forms, It's simply through a process of being exposed to it at its greatest that allows us to do that. And I, I think I, I think that story of the security guard um, really is a story for all of us about how we come to understand the world around us through the arts. I I I really appreciated Raphael's. Um, use of the of of the phrase that the orchestra itself becomes the instrument for a great conductor and how he analogized the Rady shell to a beacon of light in our community you know i think when we when we think about why a symphony 
orchestra still matters in this world of ours. You can't listen to an artist like him describe the role or describe the 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 role that the that the instrument has in the community and not be taken with how important it is for San Diego to have a symphony orchestra like this that aspires to become one of the world's great orchestras and has set that as as one of its goals in a town where we still get to enjoy it in our own uniquely San Diego ways. And may I just say, given the story I told at the opening, that I deeply appreciated that he was not undone by the sound of fireworks playing with the music, but actually kind of celebrated that as part of being in relationship with community here. This was a beautiful way of us understanding not just the role of the San Diego Symphony in San Diego and the importance of it in California, but also as a way of understanding the arts and why that is an important part of the San Diego story. Thanks for listening. Join us next time, and please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. Stop and Talk is a project of the Conrad Prebis Foundation. It is produced by Crystal Page and Adam Greenfield. It is engineered by Adam Greenfield and recorded in the Voice of San Diego Studios. Thanks again.